0: This is a HeadGum Podcast.
1: This episode of Overdue contains adult language. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Welcome to Overdue, it's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is
2: Andrew. <laughs>
1: Slam. Do
2: oh. <laughs> you feel slammed?
1: I do. I do, in fact, feel slammed.
2: Talking into my microphone, <laughs> emphatically. Oh, Though I'm, I guess it's becoming a little bit of a Shatner thing, so maybe I should. <laughs> I
1: should. Them well, buried. funny you should say that. I did read a "What's Wrong with Slam Voice" article that did mm-hmm. talk about Shatner esque delivery. Well, we have guests here <laughs> from the worst bestsellers, Rena and Kate. Thanks for being back on the show.
3: Where you're welcome. <laughs> <We're>,
1: <laughs> I,
3: I would
0: say we're happy to be here. And cosmically, we're happy to be here with you. In mm-hmm. the actual technical aspects of having to read this book in order to be here with you, I have some complaints. Yeah. Oh, and interesting.
3: We, we brought it on our... I, okay, last time we were here, we were like, wow, what a treat. We get to read a good book as a treat because normally for our podcast, we pretty much only read bad books. And last time we came to Overdue, we read Becky Chambers and we're like, wow, what a treat. And then this time you were like, well, we haven't done Colleen Hoover yet. And I was like, well, <laughs> we have. And I still feel like I don't really understand Colleen Hoover. So I kind of want to read a different one to see if I can get a crack at really understanding what her appeal is. And I don't still.
2: <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's we, we could talk more about this as we talk about Colleen Hoover herself and what her whole deal is the, the likelihood that you've heard of us and not of her is pretty small, so I'm just gonna <laughs> yeah, that that's true. <laughs> but um, yeah, like she's writing books for hyper earnest romance fans, basically, right? And I can see the appeal of them from that perspective. But boy, am I not the demographic for this one. <laughs> I don't think like the the kind of uh, hyperactive performative. Uh, earnestness that's on display here is just not it gives me hives and I can't I can't take it
1: (laughs) so Renata you mentioned having read Hoover before Mm -hmm. which Hoover have y'all read Hoover's you know
3: just the one other we read um, it ends with us which I think maybe is one of one of her most famous ones
1: yeah I think it's the one from what I've read yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is and famous you didn't enough? In, what, sorry, Kate.
0: I was gonna say it's famous enough to apparently have someone ready to publish a fucking coloring book based on it.
3: There's yeah. a coloring book. Oh, it, no. Got, no. it got canceled because people pointed out that it was problematic to have a domestic abuse themed coloring book. And, oh my god! Well, <laughs> and um, and so they uh, canceled publication of it. Yeah.
2: Wow. I can't believe that they needed people to get mad about that (laughs) first for them to learn that it
1: was a bad idea. (laughs) So this is our book podcast where uh, we read a book we've never read before and then we talk about it. So you the listener who has either read it before can like yell at us or not along with us or whatever um, or you don't have to read it and then you can you know, sort of sound like you like heard a cool NPR show about it, but it was us instead,
2: right? Just imagine um, the four of us collectively diving in front of you and screaming no, <laughs> as as though we are
1: taking a bullet. And uh, we broke our like our cardinal rule, where like usually one of us just reads the book. We've had guests, we have guests on. We like to make the house nice when they come in, and so both Andrew and I read the book this time. But I think it's probably for the best because, uh. <laughs> I finished it a few days ago, and we're going to talk about Colleen Hoover in a second, I promise. We don't like to front-load our takes, but I do just want to share where we're coming from as yeah. two people who have never read Colleen Hoover. No, mm-hmm. We haven't read any co-ho. We are not. We're not, the, we're not in the cohort. We're not part yeah. of the cohort. We're not
2: co-hosts. We, well, yeah, we, we all are co-hosts, are co-hosts <laughs> of Sting. this podcast about Colleen Hoover, which is fun.
1: Um, I said to Andrew, I said, my initial take is that if you accept the absurd like basic premise i kind of thought this book worked for me and that like you know the emotional beats hit but you know with understanding that there's some stuff that's like kind of silly and then andrew's first point was like this book my brain is rejecting this book i think is an exact (laughs) quote well i mean the the first i think the the first
2: thing I took issue with was that Colleen Hoover has clearly never been to Michigan (laughs) Mm. and that pulled me, pulled me right out of it. But that, that gets into like a a, one critique of her that I saw brought up a couple of times is just like, she frequently sets her novels just wherever and does not seem to do a ton of research to like get it uh, right. I think it's a, it's Craig, is it the slate piece that we Red. both red, yeah um, by I think uh, it's, laura miller yeah. it said uh, there is no local color in a colleen hoover book basically
3: i will say it ends with us is set in boston i'm doing air quotes and we live in boston mm. and we read that and we were oh, like boy. interesting incorrect <laughs> <laughs>
2: I didn't even live in Michigan. Like I was in Ohio, so I'm mortal enemies with, with Michigan <laughs> through, you know, the necessity of, of college football rivalries, <laughs> but I like, lived in the same, far. I, yeah, I lived in like the same climatological zone and that was enough to be like, I, Colleen Hoover, have you been, to, do you know where you are? <laughs> <That's
1: sighs> so let's it, talk about the hooves.
2: Yeah.
3: Cause I, I think like one thing that's so important is, is I imagine you're going to stay what age she is because to me when i read this i was like this feels like it was written by a high schooler like actively in high school and Mm -hmm. it wasn't and she's not it
1: wasn't no she was born in 1979 yes so she
2: this came out in 2012 she was like 32 at the time yep um it is like that's that is the one thing about the book that i think worked for me is like if you're gonna set if you're gonna make a book uh, swing on these hinges of like extreme emotional response to everything you might as well make them 18 because that's the age at which you are the emotionally the stupidest and you're feeling all these feelings for the first time and they make you do wild things and it made me kind of made me remember being an 18 year old a little bit
1: it falls in the new adult category yeah new right? adult we
2: read a casey mcquiston book for the show a while back that also was put into this uh sort of nebulous kind of publisher created category of like early to mid 20 somethings who are just kind of getting there still trying to figure themselves out you know they're adults but they don't they don't know what's going on yet what do you all think (laughs) of the
1: of that genre title is it does it feel like a standalone like a separate thing does it just feel like a marketing thing it could be both
3: i think it's a great idea and i think there is a need for that in the you know it makes sense like when you're kind of college age early 20 somethings like you're maybe a little old to be reading ya but you feel like adult fiction is too like not fun but i i think like based on by the way if if you don't know me from worst Sellers, i am a a teen services librarian at a public library so yeah. mm-hmm. i get people asking for a colleen hoover all the time and i think it hasn't i think the category of new adult hasn't really like hit market saturation where people like know what it is so yeah people mm-hmm. come in my teen room all the time and they're like where's colleen hoover and I'm like well she's adult fiction her books are over an adult and they're like oh really like i thought it was ya and i it's because we don't there's not really enough new adult for that to be its own library section yet it is just mixed in with adult so I think it's a good idea but I don't know that it has um and like a lot of new adult books are really popular like all the Colleen Hoover like Casey McQuiston but I think there is sort of widespread confusion about who these books are for yeah,
0: I,
1: would I ag- felt that inside this book, but
2: yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> <The> <laughs> inside clear, clearly
2: out. for, for somebody, it's just, yeah. it is a, it's kind of a messy categorization. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Kate.
0: I would agree. Um, you know, I, I can see why there is this need to, or this desire, I should say, rather than need to create this as a, a category for folks who like Renata said, or maybe that like in between stage Um, but I do think that it it certainly, like, it does feel much more like a marketing buzzword than it feels like something that in any sort of practice, when I was, I am a former bookseller, when I was selling books, this wasn't even a thing yet. Um, and that was back in, I left that job in 2011, I think. Mm -hmm. And it, it just, it's not... it's in it's in it's something that book people, I think, understand, like when you're on book Twitter, you're like, oh, yeah, new adult. But if you were to ask a person who perhaps buys books and reads them, but does not, mm-hmm. it would not even occur to them that this would be a
2: thing. Yeah, I've I've encountered it organically. Exactly. Never like the, the two <laughs> times I've run up against it, it has been part of research for the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's always like eight paragraphs down in, uh, <laughs> you know, mentioned with the same like three or four authors. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, that's yeah. true.
3: But I mean, that so, said, like when we were teens, young adult was sort of barely a thing, you know, and yeah, now, true. now young adult is huge. So I, mm-hmm. I do feel like, you know, maybe 10 years from now or something like new adult will blow up, but it hasn't yet. I don't Yeah.
2: Think. And then and the terminology seems to be, Lagging the the, the demand, yeah. yeah. Like yeah. The, the the books are here; they are being consumed. It's just there's not a, a great way to categorize them yet. I
1: am shoveling them into my mouth mm-hmm. and eating them right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Just jaw unhinged, consuming <laughs> books. Consume this information about <laughs> Colleen Hoover. She was born in 1979. Um, she married her high school sweetheart. Had a few kids that is relevant mostly because this book she says was she started writing it while she was sitting in a community theater watching her kid in a play her eight-year-old son was in a community theater production and when you have a young kid in a play uh, you have to the parent has to be there somebody has to be there
2: I think mentioning um, like marrying young is also relevant just because most of the yeah. people in these books also seem to be either married young or thinking about it pretty young. That's a good point. Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, thing. Um and th- like the story of this book is like her bi- her her bio for for what we would normally do I think for an author. I don't know if you have found anything else Andrew, but like there isn't much before that I found that is like worth She had a career as a social worker like she went to school she like as a kid was like oh my god my sister can write words I want to write words Mm -hmm. like my sister wrote our address on a wall and I thought that the the technology of writing was cool I'm going to go be a writer and then she went to college and was like that doesn't pay anything I'm gonna go be a social worker which that should also pay more than it does. Yeah. Yeah. and i have seen some takes connecting her like social work background to the style of fiction that she's interested in writing um i think that might be a little pat but it social work takes... is so
2: like as somebody who's married to a social worker it's so broad as a as a, term, as a yeah. field of employment that it without knowing more about the exact kind of social work she was doing
1: it might be hard to say I, for sure i want to like, say like, exactly, there was yeah. at one point she was working with the department of children and families in texas mm-hmm. i think okay Something that like that. Um,
2: yeah. I mean, the thing I thought was most interesting, like w- once you get past the, before she was a writer stuff and start talking about her success is that she, most pieces that you read about her now are all about like the, the book talk phenomenon. And, you know, d- at the start of the pandemic, she made five of her books, I think free and the, like the word of mouth around that. And then the TikTok algorithm boost just, launched her career into the stratosphere, but like she was pretty successful before. Like she was part of um, the same sort of self-published author wave that gave us EL James and a whole bunch of other authors. Like she, her first era of success was very much tied to the like blog and like early Twitter and like YouTube movements, like far removed from, from TikTok stuff. And then she just got this second bounce from (laughs) From TikTok, and so yeah, uh, let's see what do we got. So she began self-publishing her own work in 2012 with Slammed. Yeah, this is that's a book we read. Uh, She wrote, she published Slammed in January of 2012, and then published the sequel in February of 2012.
1: They were both free when they were published mm -hmm. too.
2: Um, and uh, so Craig, you you found a little bit more about like the, the. how you get from self-publishing to success. But by August of 2012, the books had been picked up by a traditional publisher, like an imprint of Simon and Schuster, I think, and republished. And that's when they hit the New York times bestseller charts and everything she does after that, like does pretty well. Like uh, it ends with us sold uh, like a million copies as of 2019, I think by any metric, pretty successful.
1: Yeah. Um, And that's that's before the, yeah, that's before everyone in 2022. Yeah, the book
2: talk thing is around like 2021, 2022. Um, so yes, she, she self-published because she didn't know how to get an agent. She just wanted her mom to be able to read her book on her Kindle. She said, so, so I'm going to push
1: back on that, on that exact note. I am, I am,
2: this is the, this is the mythology of Colleen Hoover. Let let me just say I'm, I'm presenting the mythology as she says it to like the New York times and whoever it is. who's So, so the
1: version that I, there are two versions that I read. One, it, it is her grandmother that she said in one interview. And I think it got transposed into her mother in another report. I don't know. So I want to get that right, because if it is her grandmother, we got to honor her grandmother, let's be clear, because there well, are no and grandparents and in, in this book. Books, nobody lives long enough to yeah. be a grandmother, <laughs> so that's really, like... <laughs> you got to honor her. But there was an L... I think it was L.com did a, a profile on her that did not mention the the Kindle grandmother-mother thing at mm-hmm. all, and mm-hmm. it just says, like, She wanted to take her. She didn't know how to find an agent and she wanted to take her shot on this new publishing platform, which was the relatively recently launched like Amazon Kindle self publishing stuff. I think that launched in like like
2: 2007, but once you get to 2012, that's when. I want to say that's when Kindle started to approach, like, that $100 line, and they, start, they stopped being, like, super expensive I found gadgets, a, and then the, you're also, you, like, the Kindle uh, iPhone app is also becoming a thing, so it's, like, becoming a huger and huger platform.
1: I found an interview that with that Bezos point. in the, t- Jeffrey, yeah. Jeffrey Bezos yeah, in Bezos. the New York Times, <laughs> in the New York Times, of all places.
2: New York Times?
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, where he was talking about the revenue splits for self-publishing and mm-hmm. that was in 2009. So mm-hmm. like things had were kind of taking shape, were settling in. And so Colleen Hoover is also inspired to write this book because she was watching YouTube videos of slam poetry from the <laughs> Brave New Voices festival that aired on specifically the one that aired on HBO in 2008. Um, so she's a few years behind there cuz she's watching those in 2010, 2011. And then also then Kindle self-publishing has been taking off since 2009 or so. Uh, So that's all kind of in the mix together. And so the L.com article kind of skips this like lovely little like note about I want my my, you know, mima to read my book about like two kids with no grandparents um, (laughs) who fall in love. Uh, And instead, it's like she's a canny person. Who navigated self-publishing, put it out for free, and immediately started sending it to bloggers and booktubers, and like the ecosystem embraced her and took care of her, and then she landed a publishing deal. Yeah. Uh, and what, which what's... sounds very similar to her capitalizing on the energy of book talk, you know, uh-huh. a decade later.
2: Yeah. And and what's what's really Interesting about the tone of some of those early blog posts, talking about slammed in some of her books. If you go back and read them, is how like tonally similar they are to like current Colleen Hoover book talk. Like in all caps, OMG! I'm sobbing. Kind of like (laughs) that kind of reaction has been really, really consistent for her entire run, and that's what that's the nerve she seems to be hitting as an author.
1: The other thing I think that helped is that she did get in with the Avit Brothers fan community. <laughs> I found some posts about the book around the time of its release on the Avit Brothers fans' site—not a fan site, fans' site. Well, which because just fan the fan
2: site implies that they only have one fan, Greg. Yeah,
1: <laughs> and just like because she got official permission to put all these Avid brothers lyrics in this book. She was inspired by what is the, there's a quote, a lyric, decide what to be and go be it is the lyric that she said she wanted to write a book about, I suppose, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or that's what made her want to be a writer. I don't remember. Um, But so then she like writes this book and then gets the Avid brothers to sign off on it. And so all the Avid brothers fans are like, there's a book with this. That's neat. And she continues. Go ahead. Okay, go for it
0: here lies my
1: <laughs> first issue with
0: this book love it right. of many is as i said i used to be a bookseller i was working at barnes and noble if you know anything about working at barnes and noble it's that the way that in-store music works at barnes and noble is there are certain cds the month they come out they're put oh, yeah. over the loudspeaker and they just play through all of the cds and it's not like muzak. it's not whatever it's whatever popular popular cds are in that month they go into rotation. At some point during my bookseller days, the New Avit Brothers CD was one of those <laughs> CDs in rotation.
1: Uh oh. Mm-hmm.
0: And the book starts with the character Lake saying oh my god like you know who the avian brothers are no one no one i know has ever heard of them before <laughs> and of course the love interest whose name i already forgot will is like oh Bill, of course yes. i love them they're one of my favorite bands and that's how we know they're meant to be is because mm-hmm. they've both heard of this obscure band that no one has ever heard of before that mm-hmm. was fucking playing over the loudspeaker in barnes and noble in 2007
3: <laughs> they're getting a broadway jukebox musical like mm-hmm. okay
2: like, i'm like <laughs> There are songs like back in back in those days where I didn't like if I was making a playlist for like a party or something, I wouldn't put them on because I wouldn't want people to know that I had like found them on an iPod commercial. Like I didn't want people to
1: know that I that that's how lame stream I was. Go to, go to a party with Andrew and all of a sudden Uno Dos Trace Catorce comes on and you're like, oh dang. I am just a mole digging in a hole (laughs) um (laughs) that's i'm sorry for you kate i'm sorry (laughs) that that happened and that you had to encounter that through this book (laughs) this is retail breeds i mean i've told this story before so i won't i
2: won't i won't stretch it out too much but i was working at office max in 2003 and we had uh portable dvd players that we sold that lived kind of by up by the cash register and like the impulse buy zone and the dvds that we had to play were finding nemo and ice age and we played them both (laughs) over and over and over and over again so i have finding nemo and ice age just etched into my brain somewhere like i'm I, i if i ever get alzheimer's or something i will at some point degenerate to the
3: <laughs> to the point where I can Just,
2: o- I only remember Ice Age. Like that's all that's left in
1: there.
3: Well, it's yeah, funny that Finding Nemo is one of yours because that is actually a key film that's for oh it ends with us.
1: God. Oh boy!
3: It's the main yeah, character that, that, that ends with us's favorite film, and she named
2: hit Finding Nemo. Yeah,
3: <laughs> and she, yeah, and she's like, "Oh my god, no one knows this." Yeah, and she names her kid after the movie. She names her kid Dory in the book. Spoilers for it ends with us.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever find that you're just trying to fall asleep and your brain just like won't stop talking. It's just like racing and it's not necessarily about fun stuff. Like sometimes it's like work or it's your relationship. Or it's some like story that wormed its way into your head and you don't have a podcast on which you can talk about it and it's just kind of driving you up a wall. Uh, it turns out that one of the great way to make those racing thoughts go away is to actually just kind of talk them out. Uh, and therapy gives you a place to do that so you can get out of negative thought cycles and, and find some mental and maybe emotional peace. Many people in my life have gotten great benefits from therapy, whether it's helping to learn positive coping skills or setting boundaries um, or just finding ways to empower yourself to be the best person you can be. Um, so if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to fit into your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time with no additional charge. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com overdue today to get 10% off your first month. That's hel slash overdue. Quickly, before we, we dive into this book, Kate and Renata, can you, like, I don't, we don't need to do, like, a summary of the book or whatever, but just, like, what is the deal with It Ends With Us? You both read it. Like, can you quickly help just talk us through, like,
0: of course. from your
1: perspective, why did it become so popular oh, or at well, least, like, like, what created mm. the sensation?
0: I can tell you what happens in the book very succinctly. I cannot tell you why it is so popular. Uh, okay. <laughs> a young woman named Lily after the death of her father, Colleen Hoover's always out there killing dads, um yep. moves to Boston. <laughs> and uh after she graduates college, she decides that she is going to open a
3: flower store. But excuse me. But not just any flower store, it's a flower store for people who hate flowers.
1: Yes. Yes. Cool. And on Great. the
0: <laughs> One night when she um, – on the night of her father's funeral, she decides that what she needs to do is get as high as possible in Boston to just uh, – Not not on drugs, on a geographical level. Geographically high. I was, so she okay, finds right. a building that she can get into <laughs> and goes up to the roof lounge. <laughs> and she meets a man there who she has a really highly charged sexual moment with. Uh, mm. And – Then he's a doctor and he had a really hard day where he had to, you know, because a kid almost died and he's getting out his rage and then they think they're never going to see each other again. But then it turns out the first person she hires for her flower store as an assistant is his sister. And the two of them just keep meeting. And also when she was a teenager, because it's interspaced with flashbacks, Um, We learn through her diaries, which are written as letters to Ellen DeGeneres about the young man who she, her first love, who was a young boy who was running away from his abusive family and was experiencing homelessness and squatting in the, the house next door to hers. And then after her father found out that the two of them were having a relationship, he beat the shit out of this kid. And she never saw him again, but she moved to Boston because he was gonna move to Boston one day. And it turns out that the guy who she's just met, the doctor, is actually very abusive and awful. the doctor,
3: the doctor's name is Ryle, like Kyle, but with an R, because if there's one Mm -hmm. thing Colleen Hoover's going to do, it's going to give her characters like weirdo Mormon-ass names. Yes. (laughs) Like late. Well, if there's there's one thing she's going to do is kill a dad, and then if there's a second (laughs) thing she's going to do, it's a Mormon-ass name.
1: So she said, okay, let me... We just channel colleen hoover here are you tr- are you playing
2: hoover's advocate again <laughs> i am da- that's the role that you're taking it is on a for dangerous yourself? game but i'm yeah. here to play
1: it um the it ends with us she said is inspired by you know the uh, the story of her own family and like her own abusive father and you know how her mother and like i get hearing that i also get like a little bit of the mother relationship and slammed too, like, just kind of what their deal is. Right. Um, So like, I also get why maybe a lot of her books, just like dads are just, we just get rid of them because they're bad and yeah. you know, right. Um, But the other thing she said that Lake and, you know, I don't know with this is just, she's speaking to me and I'm just saying it out loud. Laken <laughs> would have been uh, one of her kids names if she hadn't had all boys. And Lakin is the, is the main character in Slammed, L-A-Y-K-E-N, but she goes by Lake.
3: Um, hang on because yeah. and the reason Lakin's name is Lakin is because her mom's favorite song was Layla by Eric Clapton and her dad loved quote all Kennedys I guess maybe because this came up before <laughs> Robert Kennedy Jr. was really like out here doing yeah. what he's doing yes. he loved all the Kennedys and they wanted to either <laughs> yeah. name her Layla or Kennedy and then like we can't decide we'll we'll do a full Renesmee and now she's Lakin
1: you love it
2: so
3: wait it's L-A-Y-K-E-N Big time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, boy.
0: Yeah. After
2: the- <laughs> I don't know what, know, what I- I you know what I love. You know, I love when Ted Kennedy arguably killed that girl. I'm going to name my first daughter after <laughs> after the Kennedy's. <laughs> what, a- what a great, what a proud family.
0: Also, to be clear to overdue listeners who probably don't know this about me, I listen to books almost exclusively on audio, which is why I did not know how Lakin was spelled
1: boy she yeah. also said that K- the the younger boy kel k-e-l um one of her boys name is kale kale c-a-l-e mm-hmm. oh boy and she said that she in one interview it kind of sounded like she would have pronounced both of them the same way and so i don't know i don't know what part of her like maybe texas accent makes those sound the same but apparently they sound the sure. same I'm, um, I'm
3: imagining uma thurman from red white and royal blue saying Kale.
1: Kale. kale yeah maybe that's what it is actually <laughs> yeah um yeah so okay anyway I mean, you, you hoover is, thing... is leaving me yeah. and you know okay i'm okay. no so, longer yeah. her advocate so to go
3: back to it ends with us and if you to overdue listeners if you haven't listened to worst bestsellers like one thing Oh, thank you one thing about me and kate is that we <laughs> are like You know, people are like, oh, you guys are going to like dunk on all these books and they're so bad. And like, we really do try to approach all of these like alleged worst books with like an open, you know, full eyes, open heart, often losing. But like, we're trying, (laughs) you know, we don't our goal isn't to be like, oh, all these like idiot women on TikTok like this book. It's so dumb. Like a lot of times we will read a book and be like, you know what? This is better than I thought it would be or like whatever. And I will say, like, a lot of the anti-Colleen Hoover people are like, oh, it ends with us as, like, glorifying domestic abuse, and it's so bad. And Colleen, uh, I'm putting on my Hoover hat. It's very stylish. Yeah, and She she, can only
2: inhabit one of us at a time. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
3: I'm putting on And she's like, I wanted to show that, you know, people think that victims of domestic abuse are, like, you know, people think they're stupid and they're like, well, I would just leave. And I wanted to show how easy it is to like feel trapped. Even if you're like a smart, uh, you know, successful floral shop owner, like you feel trapped or you feel like you can forgive him and it's just the one time. And then it, it's hard for you to realize how it's escalating because you're like in it. And I, I did get that, you know, I, and I do sympathize with that perspective. And I think that that part of it was well done uh the part again full spoilers for this book the part that is wild is at the end when she's like yeah i got rid of you ryle because you are abusive but i will give you partial custody of our daughter dory because i didn't i don't think that you'll ever hurt her but like Mm. not not that part's not ideal but you know like fiction's not reality like whatever man yeah it's, yeah, like I mean, like
2: I, I can't buy into the thing where like by depicting something you are automatically endorsing it. so I definitely, yeah, yeah definitely get that.
0: It feels yeah. very similar to like we read Fifty Shades and our main thing, and even like Twilight, which is how we started our podcast. like the things that people say about these books and how they're bad for women, these are not good books. There are many <laughs> things that you can say about these books that are true, that are bad. Mm -hmm. Like on a sentence level, frequently, these books are not good, (laughs)
1: Mm.
0: but people instead feel like they need to like morally justify instead of just being like, I didn't like this book because it's very badly written. Mm -hmm. They need to morally justify why not only did they not like it, but they are better than you for not liking Mm.
1: it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. sure, sure, sure. And the other uh, you mentioned the the like the women on TikTok liking Hoover. I did see, I, I don't know if it was the Washington Post article about her, if it was that Slate article, Andrew. The Washington Post one I'm thinking about is by Stephanie Mary. Talks about, like, you know, of course, there are a big thing with the response to the Colleen Hoover books. In general, it, my impression of book talk is that there is a lot of, like, big OMG responses to things. It is a lot about, like, really not hiding at all what your emotional reaction is to a book and so yeah
2: like i think the the most and this is i only am on tiktok because i was trying to find the teens who stole our cars
1: yeah that's true. i'm not coming
2: at it with like a super deep understanding of the platform but it the most successful videos do seem to be like youtube reaction thumbnails extended to like
1: 27 seconds um which then like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> in, in the stories about hoover talking. that is then connected to like rewarding narrative that like elicits those reactions above other things that it's trying to do um but then also that like her stories being kind of like pretty pretty like straightforward in terms of like here's just a bunch of like kind of trope laden characters and i don't even mean that pejoratively but like Characters who are like pretty quick to understand. You don't need to do a lot of legwork that they t- they interviewed people who like are self-professed non-readers or like they're influencers with a grind set mindset who only read self-help books. And they're like, <laughs> oh, my God, I can read this novel in two days and have this like big cathartic emotional experience. That's so like not no pun intended and a very novel to me. Um, and like that seems to be part of the what fed into the algorithm that spit out hey everybody should buy this book from six years ago and then everybody should buy extension like buy all of colleen hoover's books and then she has six books on the bestseller list at the same time like in the top 10
3: and and the coloring Um, book would have (laughs) sold oh (laughs) absolutely it would have sold yeah
1: who wants to kick off our discussion of the 2012 novel, <sighs> Slammed, which I kept saying we were going to start doing, and we've been talking for a while because we had a lot of stuff to say. A lot
3: to say. Well, it's I just, just want to say, yeah. when I said we would read Slammed, based on having read It Ends With Us, based on like the things I knew about her and based on the title, I thought this was going to be another book about domestic abuse. And when I realized mm. it was a book about slam poetry, I was like, ah... <laughs> like, I... <laughs> and by the way and i say this as someone who competes in story slams which is like even nerdier than slam poetry Amazing. by the way it's so like
1: yes I... I don't think i knew you did that what a good perspective to bring today <laughs>
3: <laughs> um yeah i i not to brag i'm a moth slam story winner baby um <sighs> and uh <laughs> And it's not cool. And it's not a cool (laughs) thing to do. And if you tell high school students you do it, they don't think it's cool and nothing.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying, you're saying that high school students won't sit around talking about whether you're going to go to the slam tonight. You're telling me that a local club would not dedicate one night every single week to slamming. Like these are, these are things in your experience that would not happen.
3: Uh, The Yeah. Club Nine in Ypsilanti, <laughs> Michigan, which by the way, Kate, for your edification, I will say is spelled N letter N number nine, letter N E. So it really should be like club nine.
2: Like yeah, club nine was how I was. Yeah. Like, like, like the movie N-Nine-na.
3: seven, which is seven. In, if, anyway, is, yeah. 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 Or
2: Mithrigan, the movie Mithrigan <laughs> yeah. about the evil puppet. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, wow. So it's about that. Uh, <laughs> And it's about and this girl, Lakin, as we've said, uh, because her parents loved uh, Layla Bear Clapton and all Kennedys, Sandra so he Lakin, a.k.a. Lake, her father has just died, as all fathers must, of a heart attack. And so because of that, they-,
1: they Fathers mo- on this call who are just like- yeah, we must. Okay. We must. Time reason, a father must is like
2: a, a father <laughs> does their thing right there at the very beginning. And then you toss them out like an empty seed packet. Like, it's yep. just get rid of them. Yeah.
3: By the end of this, we're going to inherit overdue. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I hope your wills are up to date. <laughs> Dads. Uh, mm. Anyway, Lake and her younger brother, Cal or Cal. <laughs> their dad has died six months ago because of that. They moved from their home in Florida up to Ypsilanti, Texas. Michigan.
1: It's Texas. Oh, yeah.
3: yeah. I don't know. Why I said Florida. I guess I was just thinking of states. I don't want to go Texas to Texas is
1: where Hoover. Look, sorry. I'm getting a message from Colleen Hoover. <laughs> I am from Texas. <laughs> this is where my characters must be from. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. But then they really?
3: leave. Uh, they leave to go to places Colleen has not been to, such as Michigan. Yep.
1: Of course. That's okay. amazing that that's the
2: choice that she decides to make. I was just casually looking up oh articles about whether it's ever snowed in lower Michigan in September. And uh, Ypsilanti is near Detroit. Um, and as far as I can tell, including in this article that I found from a local radio station, WITL, um, it has ne- literally never snowed in September in the detroit metropolitan area so this well. this version of reality that colleen hoover has given us where everybody is like yeah it snows in september all the time get ready
3: yep uh yep. <laughs> that
2: doesn't that isn't that does not exist
3: well there's a lot in here that is not super connected to reality but so they yes. they had yes. to sell their house in texas and move up to michigan because they couldn't afford to live in texas anymore and mom's high school best friend brenda got her a job and by the way mom is a nurse so yeah yeah. and by the way this on and spools later so whatever but i was like i feel like you could have gotten a nurse job in texas if you wanted the
1: the thing i i was struck by too is that like she lake our main character lake lakin talks about after her dad dying towards is that midway through her junior year towards the end is i if, if it was weird well yeah we're
2: getting toward the end of the junior year in this book, she talks yes. about throwing and
1: herself into her brother's like sports and stuff mm-hmm. and,
0: it like, had to have been so if she's starting her senior year at the beginning if it's september here and he died six months ago then it would have been probably okay. like the last quarter March, of her, January. January. yeah yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. um Q2. Is, yes. <laughs> if you to me it it feels weird. It's like an indictment of whatever community they left that like her mom didn't I and I don't remember the specifics of why her mom has no family whatsoever. Um they but, died, probably died, died of cancer or sorry, heart attacks oops, or whatever. No grandparents. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Jeez. Um but that Respect
2: their trauma, Craig. Oh
1: my god. <laughs> um but that there is no like not even a hand wave explanation for, like, why no one down there. I've seen, like, two and a half seasons of Friday Night Lights. The Like, people in that community might throw down to help them unless there was a reason why not. in and, and Alongside your point, right? like, there'd probably be a job for her. Now, again, I think we hear later the real reason for Michigan is the stuff that we don't know about Lake's mom. Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the book
3: but can can we go out of order and can i just say it now
1: yeah Uh, let's go out of order okay
3: because out of order what we learn about halfway through the book is that the real reason they moved to michigan is because lake's mom has lung cancer and there's a lung cancer specialist in detroit and there's Mm -hmm. better doctors in detroit than in texas and like uh-huh. Texas has major cities with major hospitals and lung cancer is not like one of the obscure cancers. So I
2: feel yeah. like
3: you could have gotten a Texan doctor. But the, Sure. They went I to guess the
2: th- Yeah. Like if, uh, if I were trying to be in here, uh, here, Oh, uh, Oh, uh, Oh, uh, Oh, she's entering my body. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 all right. Colleen Hoover's here again. Uh, if I were to, to be the most charitable, it does sound like Lake and her family come from like pretty deep rural Texas. Like she talks about being in a senior class with like 21 people. It is possible that because, uh, because Lake's mom had like a friend in the area and like it, it might, it doesn't quite string credulity that maybe they would be closer to a major city in Michigan than then they, they would could be to a That's major fair. city in texas like like just their texas is so big it takes so long to drive anywhere, anywhere. That's well, my, you also know.
0: if if colleen hoover is leaving your body and now entering my body yeah uh, no she's
2: she's gone the, the,
0: the way my i kind of interpreted that because i also like immediately the book strained my credulity at the beginning when they said like oh yeah it's cheaper to live in in <laughs> detroit than yeah. it is to live in rural texas <laughs> and i was like ah, oh, bud um and then like later when they explain this, like I feel like there's always like certain places, like even people I know who have had certain illnesses where it's like, well, there's this one doctor doing this one trial in this one place that I was accepted sure. yeah. mm-hmm. to. Like there's one that part did not I I did not need to uh, suspend my disbelief as much for that as yeah. I did at the beginning when I thought I was suspending my disbelief that they, they were just yeah. like, yeah, we're going to Detroit cause it's cheaper to live than Texas mm-hmm. and yeah. whatever. The,
1: the, this in general, I think when I was like not having problems with this story, it was kind of about dealing with the parent health stuff and like the grief of parent stuff. Like, uh, like I don't remember where in the novel, but something about Lake's experience, like, Pinged when I went from like middle school to high school, and my grandmother who lived with me my whole life had like just died Mm -hmm. and was just like, Well, Mm -hmm. now I'm just like at sea. I, I, what am I doing? At like my whole like identity kind of changed a little bit, Mm -hmm. and like I got that part. And then the like, I have in laws who like they, I guess they live in Michigan now, but it was in Iowa when they went to like the Mayo Clinic for like specific. Mm -hmm surgery for my father-in-law like i get the like you go somewhere else to get the thing Mm -hmm. um but again the way that this story unfolds leaves a lot of room for you to go why is it happening this way yeah like
2: i i don't mind any one person's parent stuff but when you have one character whose dad died six months ago and mom is dying of lung cancer partially because she stopped getting treatment after the dad died of a heart attack, and the dad died of a heart attack because she got cancer. It's <laughs> kind of creating a doom loop <laughs> that kills both of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, love interest parents died in a car accident years ago. And then your best friend's mom tried to sell you in a Walmart parking lot. Like once you get out to that, it's like, hey, Colleen Hoover, why do you hate parents so much? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Why can't there be? Why can't there be a just a, an intact nuclear family anywhere in the world that you've created?
3: Colleen Hoover hates traditional family values. Um, okay. True. The third, mm. the other other thing I do want to say about the the Michigan and the healthcare of, of it all is. You are all being so generous and so charitable as Colleen channels you or or you channel. She Colleen. enters
2: and exits our bodies. Yeah. So. But yeah.
3: The other thing <laughs> is that I don't think Colleen once opened a Wikipedia page for cancer because multiple times Lake's Lake's mom says and Lake repeats, like multiple times people are saying this, oh, she's dying and they're only doing chemo to keep her comfortable. And it's like, babe, they stopped doing chemo to keep you comfortable. Yeah, that's
2: like the one thing about chemotherapy is that it's not comfortable. It's not a comfortable experience. So
1: I started a list of Struck Me Funnies that I didn't get to finish because I ran out of time before we had to start recording. And the first one is that, like, very early in the book, when Lake is driving the U-Haul to their new house. I promise we're going to talk about this plot at some point. <laughs> she's driving the new hall, the U-Haul, the new hall. And to she's her new so house. good
3: at it. And she's 18. She's that... very
1: good at it. Oh my she's, god! Yeah, she's
2: really awesome. She's, at two, she's
1: two weeks past 18 and she's mm-hmm. an expert at driving a U-Haul and she sees in the cul-de-sac. I'm sorry, Colleen Hoover. I know that I've spoken your words before, Ed, but um, you you called it a basketball goal in yes. one of the driveways. <laughs> yeah and you, you said I that there was a basketball goal all. in one of the driveways and i've i don't think you just mean because like when when players shoot a ball from the field and it goes in you, it's called a field goal like it's a whole thing but i i really think you just misused the word goal there and it kind of took me out of the book a little bit and the book had just started um and so there's a lot of there's a lot of little things like that which connect to like there's an interview she gave about the movie version of It Ends With Us that's going to star Blake Lively. I think they started filming it this year and there was a huge blowback about how old Blake Lively is relative to the 20-year-old characters in the novel and she was like, "Listen, is my my bad? Like the guy is a neurosurgeon. And there are no 23-year-old neurosurgeons. I just wrote a book about, like, early 20-somethings because that's kind of what the I thought people wanted. Mm-hmm. And Blake Lively is actually really good casting, but we had to age everyone up because I made a boo-boo. Like, she's <laughs> honestly, like... Pretty upfront about that, and I wonder if the same thing would happen if we were like, "Hi, I'd like to make a movie of Slammed," and she's like, "I must confess, I've never been to Michigan. I'm, I'm <laughs> oh, sorry." For
3: sure, for
0: sure, absolutely.
2: The other, yes. I mean, aside aside from the snow thing, which sent me down a wild rabbit hole, there is one of the slam poem poems, Slater. References in and out burger, yes, yeah, and you know what? Fast food franchise does not have a location within like 1500 miles of Ypsilanti, Michigan. Is in and out, yeah.
3: And and by the way, it's one thing when this was like the self published free book, but between yep. that and coming to print, you think somebody might have like gone through with a little like red pencil and been like, question mark.
1: Also, the publishing house yeah
3: the
0: the in and out burger in particularly struck me
1: Uh-oh.
3: because i
0: mm-hmm. feel like in and out burger is one of those things that is so well known to have to be location and regionally specific yeah. like mm-hmm. everyone i've ever known who has lived somewhere where there is an in and out burger is like well of course you're going to want to try in and out burger while you're here
1: yeah
0: and it's it's like i feel like it is famous for not being everywhere <laughs>
1: yeah like, oh sure
2: <laughs> yeah i think you, okay. need, you need to go you need to at least like find a rallies or some kind of like your steak and shake I, I was just gonna say, say steak and, and shake, shake, shake. yeah like some kind of plausibly midwestern burger chain or, <laughs> i think would, would or have done just a lot. fucking say mcdonald's or just say yeah. mcdonald's don't take the swing at all mm-hmm
1: well, but she's really into non mainstream bands like the Ava Brothers. Yeah, so she, to yeah, so she would <laughs> also be into non mainstream <laughs> burger chains. Like, yeah like in and out.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Okay.
1: So we've covered maybe the first seven pages of the book. <laughs> no, she is no
2: I feel like
3: we like took if you divide we've the book in around. half like right. vertically, we did a big vertical slice of it and we covered a lot of the mom yep. stuff. But now we have to get into the boyfriend stuff, which is somehow even more whack than all of the uh, family stuff.
1: I need um, mm-hmm. Andrew. What I read the book. I had completed the book before. I think you really dove into it. Yeah, because so I was reading
2: I, Madame Bovary for the yeah. for regular overdue up until like two days before now, and so yeah, I started and finished slammed in the space of like forty eight hours. Same. Like a lot of book talk influencers, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. So
1: um, you really I like think...
3: slammed, slammed. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah,
1: I was. You I was had, slammed. You had <laughs> issues sure. with the the central relationship of this book before the real premise of the relationship reared its head. So So I read the, I read the, the, the reveal, I read
2: the first chapter and I noticed that the book had, so, so the things I knew about Lake at the time, like she's a high school student. And then I noticed that the book went out of its way to establish Will's age as being 21. And, Immediately, I was like, "Okay, she's going to be like just barely eighteen, but like this is this is giving me weird vibes already that he is that he is twenty one and she is she's rolled into town in September, maybe eighteen, yes." Mm -hmm. And it turns out, like the core conflict of the book. Okay, so she moves in. She's looking cool in her U-Haul. She looks (laughs) better than anyone has ever looked driving a (laughs) U-Haul. She moves in across the street is this hot guy Will who has a little moppet little brother who. His, His name, name is Calder.
1: Because again, yeah. nobody gets a normal There's name. No back- Calder. Mm-hmm. I'm just listening. Colleen Hoover has no explanation for Calder. <laughs> <She> just- <laughs> in. Uh yeah, so so uh
2: Lake's Moppet little brother falls in with Will's Moppet little brother instantly. They're best they're the best of friends, which is, you know, it's very easy to make yeah, friends at that age. It. That that's I don't I don't mind that at all.
1: I like these two boys. Um, that's it. i mm-hmm. like
3: Yeah, they're fun.
2: And they they instantly lake and and will have like this physical and emotional connection they go out to club nanina and to, to slam night which happens like every tuesday i think but like every week there's slam night yeah and they see slam poetry and she's like like everybody else in this book she hears slam poetry for the first time and she's instantly like oh slam poetry rules and i'm going <laughs> to devote my entire life to its pursuit <laughs> And she, you know, they kind of sort of kiss a couple of times. And yep. then she goes to her new high school on Monday.
3: And by the way, can and... I just interject one f- one yeah. thing mm-hmm. about their hangout sessions? Yes. Is they both yeah, yeah. repeatedly reject small talk and get to know you yes. talk. So they yeah. Yeah. You, they never want to talk about the small talk. They just want to talk about the big stuff, like the obscure music they like and slam poetry.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And does he not get up and do yeah, that date? He does. He, he likes slams he, he about come, his dead parents. Yeah. He does yeah, and she slam. loves that's it. That's how you
2: find out that yeah, that's how you find out that they're dead.
1: Yeah. And so and so like, yes, to your point, Renata, like they have skipped over, oh, what might you be doing Monday? Mm-hmm. What do you do for work? Uh-huh. Where do you go to university person yeah. over the age of 18? Yeah,
2: what college are you here to attend? Uh, so so Lake goes to high school on Monday, and third period she runs into Will, and she's like, "Oh, Will, I'm so lost in this cavernous Ypsilanti, Michigan public high school," <laughs> <laughs> and Will is is acting weird, and then it becomes clear that he is a teacher mm-hmm. of. Third period uh, slam poetry at the Ypsilanti, Michigan public high
3: school. And and I want to talk about this public school, by the way, because Will's like, you have to drop my poetry class. And so she goes to the office and the office is like, well, at that time slot, the only other classes that are available are botany and Russian literature. And I'm like, sorry, what high school, what public high school in a relatively small town is sustaining two English electives at the same time that are poetry and Russian literature?
2: Yeah I, yeah and I this town in Michigan does have 20,000 people in it. It is not a big it is not a big city. <laughs> um and and he is instantly like, "Oh, this is too I don't even want to say to his credit cuz I don't know that it is, but they instantly realize, "Oh, this is bad." Like, I can't the optics of this are not good. Very bad. to be dating you. Um <laughs> the, the line that that made me scream the loudest i think is when will is explaining to lakin's mom about what happened and he says basically i made a lot of assumptions i thought she was older she seemed older which number one is like creepy, like like, verbatim from like episodes of to catch a predator like that's not that that is she's she's once she told me she was 18 i guess i assumed she was in college it's only september most students are not 18 when they start their senior year
3: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: and if you were this worried about it will if this was because he has to have this teaching job to support him and his younger brother Mm -hmm. because their parents are dead Mm -hmm. like batman Um, (laughs) if it was this important and you knew she was 18 i feel like you would have Floated. I feel like you need to just like check
1: real. You quick. might not have slammed for her on the
2: first night. <laughs> no, you don't slam on the first date if, if she's still in high school.
0: <laughs> it. I wandered so far into the weeds trying. I was trying to find Colleen to channel her to find some sort of way that this made sense because If you, we later already from the start being like, okay, you're 21, you went to this school, people who you went to this school with are still there.
1: And we're going to have you
0: student teach here, but then also do an internship, air quotes, where you teach for money at the same time like none of yeah. that to me already logically makes sense and then later we learn that he wasn't even originally like pursuing teaching he was in college on a football scholarship he, like walked off the football field. i'm
1: sorry i know i said that this book worked for me but i just remember that scene where he says he got the call about his brother being sad and he literally put down the football and walked home <laughs> To go be a father <laughs> to his brother. Yeah, because, at no, college
0: yeah. on a football scholarship, then leaves to take care of his brother, and yet somehow already at 21 has completed enough towards enough credits towards his teaching certification that not only is he student teaching, but that he's also allowed to actually teach for realsies for money. At the high school that he went to less than three yeah. years ago, nothing yeah. about this logically. I stopped making leaps. None of this made sense. Yeah, well, in-
2: including like this. This teaching internship is the only financial lifeline that me and my little moppet brother could like have to hold on to. This is the only thing that we've got.
3: <laughs> yeah, and and two things. He says he says that they're allowed to have that. Uh he's they like let him make the special arrangement to teach because they're so so short staffed there. And it's like, hey, if you're so short staffed, why do you offer Russian literature and poetry yeah, in the same time slot? So
2: Russian lit
3: first of all. I, like I went to a pretty good high school. We didn't have Russian literature, we had world literature anyway. It is
1: wild that they let him just kind of dead poet society alone in a room. Yeah. Like
2: there's nothing about the like even removed from all other context if you say I am in in my public school I am going to third period slam poetry taught by a 21 year old there is nothing about that that scans
3: No, no. <laughs> no. Um, and the other thing think- about him needing to teach to take care of his little brother Calder is this is a family that has living grandparents and they took in Calder so that Will could stay in college and finish college like normally, but then Calder mm-hmm. was sad. So that's when he got the call and like ran off the football field and went home to be a single right. brother, dad, but like there uh-huh. weren't You're- grandparents available.
1: <laughs> and, and there isn't a lot <laughs> Of ink spent making the Grandparents look terrible it's more just About called or not feeling comfortable Or happy I, And it's like, like yeah
3: your parents just died obviously you're not happy
1: Yeah <laughs> I yeah Remember when I said I thought The book worked and I think what <laughs> I Mostly keep coming back to that I think what I mostly was responding to Is how good I felt in the Moment where uh, Will and lake's mom like talked early on like i i was so relieved that the book was not going to be a like let's hide this forever from the most important characters in the book like it i just think let's just hide it from the school system well we'll hide it from the (laughs) system because you know man fuck the system but like listen i'm not a narc but (laughs) yeah i think i just like i appreciated the candor of like, well, yeah, her mom would have to find out. And then there we then we'd have this weird, awkward dynamic where her mom is talking to her teacher, who's also her boyfriend, and like, let's just lean into how weird this book is. I think that's part where I was like, Yeah, all right, go off book. And now I'm thinking about when he put down the football, and I'm thinking like book stop. <laughs> like I don't you there's know a, the, maybe, the other worst, yeah.
2: Go maybe ahead.
3: Maybe when the book worked for you, that was because Colleen was in you. And, and being yeah. like this works
2: where there is one set of footprints in the sand that's where colleen, <laughs> colleen Hoover, that's Carrey what colleen did. slammed me yes. <laughs> <laughs> the other i mean the 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 scene is, it's all bad i think all like all of the stuff between lake and will and their like power dynamic made me yeah feel it's really a weird bad. power dynamic i didn't like it at all the worst part is when lake tells eddie her best friend
3: Can we talk about, by the Uh, way, Eddie renamed herself after the comedian Eddie Izzard.
1: Pretty cool. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Why not? Yeah.
3: Eddie has been through a lot of foster homes, and the first foster home that she liked, she saw an Eddie Izzard DVD and was like, I don't like my old name. I'm going to be Eddie now. And by the way, she does not seem to be trans or non-binary or anything. She just simply, which Eddie Izzard is
1: is and yeah. i but i don't She's think it was eddie.
3: yeah um out about that in 2012 but anyway this no. this girl eddie is seemingly just a cis girl who's like no eddie that's the name for me bye
1: <sighs> i don't know dressed to kill is a very good dvd It's a very good watch
3: yeah,
0: yeah i could see
1: that um, just sticking with you i
3: think
0: to not, again not to defend colleen hoover oh, i God. do think that yeah. eddie the character makes a comment when she is Describing why she took the name Eddie, saying that either someone thought she looked like Eddie Izzard or when watching it, she felt like maybe she kind of looked like Eddie Izzard. And so Mm. maybe he could be her father.
3: Okay.
2: Oh, Eddie's the only character in this book who I ended up liking by I the liked end. Eddie. So yeah, Eddie's fine. I liked Eddie um, and
3: I like the two nine-year-old boys. Yes, yeah, same.
0: Yeah. The
2: two nine year old boys are yeah, they're fine because they're not. They're I not don't d- think I dab- like they're not dabbling in forbidden love, so it's <laughs> fine.
1: I don't think I liked Eddie's boyfriend or d- other lunkhead friend too much
3: eddie's boyfriend know, like, I, I, here's another moment that didn't name. work is eddie's boyfriend mm-hmm. using his slam poetry to give like a seasons of love style pre-proposal <laughs> where he's like i he will did. i will propose marriage to you in like one million five hundred minutes <laughs> which so I, I did crunch-
1: seasons of love her yeah you're right i
3: crunched the numbers on the minutes and it's like two and a half years like in two and a half years he will propose marriage to her
2: okay So Lake tells, (laughs) because Eddie picks up on something weird between Lake and will, because they are extremely not careful about their whole thing. Yeah. And, uh, will finds out that Lake has told Eddie about all the stuff that happened between them. And the thing that he's the most scared of is the school system finding out that he hooked up with a student. And so he gives them both detention Yes, and then brings them into detention and slams on the table, a photo of his younger brother and says, this little boy watched his parents die in a car accident. And if you like, if you mess this up for me, that's the end of his life. Basically.
3: Yeah. He gives like basically a monologue about it. It's long.
2: And I love that. It's, it's not like he, he feels so strongly about this, but like not strongly enough to stop sniffing around a high school student Mm. because he does periodically, uh, either when she is in his house or he is in her house, like have a weak uh, quote weak moment, and like uh, and and kiss like, her, start like making out with her, yeah, yeah. And, and, like if you and well, and- if you truly felt this strongly about this little boy and about your family, I just I simply feel like you would be trying. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but he's and a new not adult. like adult Andrew
1: the... he doesn't know how to like function
2: in the world mm, He's he is a new adult it's true and
0: it's true. here's the, the kick okay so the plot of this book is basically they find out that he's a teacher and she's a student so they decide they can't be together but they keep longing for each other and life keeps uh-huh. throwing them into each other's paths mm. and whatever and at the end we find out he sees somebody else kissing her and loses his shit and What is actually happening is this young man is throwing, pushing himself on her against her will. So he is saving her, but he later explains that he didn't realize that at the time. He was just so angry that somebody else was kissing her that he had to beat the crap out of them. Uh, But because this person is a student, he goes like, there's a whole investigation and everything. And in the end they're like, well, you didn't do anything wrong because this, this young boy was assaulting this woman, this girl, but like, we, we're going to move you anyway to a different school. And then he immediately gets another job. Like So this whole thing where he's like, yeah. I can't leave this job because yeah. I need the money to take care of my brother, even though my heart longs to be with you so much that I want to destroy my whole future for you, really could have been solved if he went to his advisor at college and said, hey, this isn't working out. Can you line up another internship for me?
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's really easy how he gets another job where there's no conflict at the end. <sighs>
3: And also, I want to talk about uh, the timeline of this because, please. So it's September. They go on a date. Uh, they they find out. Oh no, we have to break up by by Christmas of that year. He's quit his job so that he can be with her. Like it's like uh-huh. four months. And I understand yep. that a high school relationship, sure, will like you'll progress that quickly in a high school relationship, but that is so fast to like really blow up your whole teaching career and throughout throughout the whole semester like is like he's being so unreasonable that like he won't be with me and like i can't wait another year and i sort of get that from lake's point of view because she's 18 and impulsive whatever it's so fast and then also uh around halloween is when lake learned that of her mom's cancer diagnosis that we revealed earlier on in the podcast but lake didn't find that out mm-hmm. yet and then, <laughs> truly, the emotional resonance of mom's cancer, mom's illness, it is nothing compared to the the romantic pain that she feels. And, yeah. you know, and I understand, like, oh, yeah, you want a distraction. You want to think about your mom dying. But, like, it truly, like, the emotional resonance is not correctly weighted at all. And, the, and then when I we mean, get to the epilogue, talked, it yeah. makes me want to, like fall
2: over because the the
1: epilogue is her dying yeah
2: Yeah. we talked about how worthless dads are already but like her dad died six months ago and in terms of like grief especially when you are 18 and six months is still like by percentage a pretty good chunk of your life she seems to have pretty much totally gotten over that and is just sad about this boy even before she learns about the cancer like she will be in bed, depressed, debilitated because of the boy across the street and not because of her dad being dead.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The the part, the, the, like, thing she does when her mom first tells her and she, like, doesn't want Kale to know. Kale to know. (laughs) And so she's, like, constantly, like, no, we're going to keep carving pumpkins or... OK, we have to tell him, well, I'm going to take him out for the day and I'm going to spend all my measly savings. And, you know, I'm not like that stuff, In you know, a vacuum works for me as a like a teen delaying, like dealing with a big emotional moment, like trying to protect her younger sibling. I love I do love the part where they make him Basagna to break the bad news, which is just lasagna. But he's a little kid who said Basagna once. And now you say Basagna forever. Yeah. And I love that his first reaction is why are you making Bazzania? The last time you made Bazzania, dad died. So like (laughs) what's going to happen now? And I actually, yeah, I had had that thought is like,
2: oh boy, you're making this kid Bazzania to tell him something horrible. He's going to associate Bazzania with all the bad stuff. that happened." All the bad news. No, he had already, he beat me to it.
1: I, I, again, I like kale. I think he's fine. He sounds like, Uh, a leafy green but he sounds fine (laughs) i like his like sometimes he does backwards day thing like i think that's cool too um because like the book most of the characters are lacking in behavior other than their grief or listen to the avid brothers and listen to the avid brothers excuse me which is tied to their grief (laughs) let's be honest because her dad introduced her to the avid brothers um And so I do, it is refreshing to have a nine-year-old be like, sometimes I walk and speak backwards today. And like, that's just his deal. I kind of love it because it does, no one else has a thing. Like Eddie has things. Like Eddie has like a, I love that Eddie is like, oh, a new person in school, be my friend, like whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I am somebody who has gone through so much change and so much transition and so much hardship that like, I can see a wounded bird and I will take them in and and make them my friend. Like, that's why Eddie works for me, too. Eddie and Kale, MVPs of this book. Yeah. I'm coming to realize that maybe I didn't like this book as much as I thought. (laughs) And that's fine. But I want to defend Eddie and Kale because I think that they're good people.
3: Well, and I think, too, like, in It Ends With Us, I think Kate and I both, there was like a side character sister that we liked the most. Like, I think Colleen Hoover she can manage a quirky side character who's likable. And that Mm. gives a little levity to these like really emotional, heavy stories. And that's something.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's for, I, I don't want to say anything that I can't take back later for the, for these books to be as popular as they are. Like there's gotta be something that, that works on like a broad level. It can't all just be trauma porn. Mm -hmm romance stuff like Colleen Hoover clearly knows how to quickly write a character who ingratiates themselves to you in just a couple scenes it's just that that person is like way off to the side of all the main characters in this book (laughs) that we're being asked to care about
3: and yeah, I think, it's- too, I think something that she gets, I think these books, even though they're new adult, like, I mean, I get a lot of high schoolers asking about them at the library. I think they're really popular among, like, teens and maybe older teens because this thing of, like, defining yourself entirely by the one band that you like or the one comedy DVD that you like, like, that's very mm-hmm. teenage. And that's why yep. I think... when I was like oh I knew this was her first book I thought maybe she was in high school and she wrote it and then I realized she wasn't I was like "Uh uh-oh but I think like (laughs) I I think those kinds of things also give a lot of teen appeal where you're like yeah totally like if I met a boy who liked the Ava brothers he would be my soulmate too
1: (laughs) well like to what Andrew said like she married her high school sweetheart so like and and I don't mean that again. I I don't say this pejoratively, but like her experience of love and finding a relationship happened at the same age that these characters did. Yeah, so and it happens her, like, like my
2: parents got married at twenty one. Like it happens for all. Yeah. it happens for tons of people all the time. Like
1: it's and, yeah. And so I think like for her, that's like that's just part of her lived experience. It's part of what's going to unfold. And I feel like we've seen this in plenty of other books where some of that becomes like. There's shorthand in in like the emotional beats that she's laying out that like she doesn't it, it because it's part of her lived experience maybe she doesn't feel the need to do the legwork on like making it make more sense mm-hmm. maybe it doesn't make sense outside of your own lived experience you know um, that's just how some of that you know how how those cookies crumble to use an idiom yeah. that some people and have I
0: heard of. I just and <laughs> it could be that I just am always bored reading about straight people or, i just <laughs> didn't there was nothing fair point in this that m- made me understand why these two people wanted to be together there was no
3: there was no kate chemistry. sorry kate did you not hear that they both like the same band
2: <laughs> and was, also she looked really good driving the u-haul I, like it really just good fe-
1: like it just feels like one of those books where you have to ex- like and i don't i don't mean this to like this is not me channeling colleen yeah. It is just like the book wants you to accept that sometimes people get struck by like love lightning. Like Cupid is real, and he shoots an arrow in your butt, and then you love who's in front of you, and you, wow, the Avid brothers are playing.
0: Because <laughs> I, I don't even mean just like, oh, you know, I. it's unbelievable that these people have known each other for three days and then are so in love that they're going to destroy their own career or whatever for it. But I mean like even as the book goes on, there is not anything that either character does or says to the other one. There is nothing that makes yeah, me think – Like, oh, I can see why, like, if anything, if I were fucking Will, I would look at the way that this young woman is reacting to her mother's cancer, to the, you know, clearly repressed grief from her father's death, to the gravity of the situation that he himself is in. And be like, oh, this person is not as mature as I thought they were. This is not someone mm-hmm. who I can right now build yeah. a relationship with. Like, and I think that the way that she reacts to things, it is a natural way for a teenager who is going through major upheavals, major life issues, major grief to react. It's not out of character for that. I'm not. I'm not slamming on. Um, well, uh, I, I know. Like as spammy. the word came out of my mouth, I was like, oh. <laughs> You know, it's not, I'm not going, saying this is anything in particular against a fucking, what the hell is her stupid name, Lakin, but <laughs> if, if I were will, I would be like, oh, I, my experience in the three days that I knew this girl before I realized what our practical relationship as teacher and student was, is not enough to sustain through this, she is clearly not in a place where a long-term commitment to another human is in the cards yeah
1: Yeah, the book doesn't isn't interested in like asking the question of like well this is clearly a radioactive situation like why is he not also equipped to be like i gotta walk away yeah Yeah.
2: it's and and even before i was bothered by the like weird age play stuff (laughs) happening in this book like when i had still only read the first couple of chapters and i hadn't gotten to the main thing yet like to to needing to to know more about these characters to like understand why they liked each other when a romance book works for me even when there's like insta love stuff going on i do need to have seen a little bit more of what this character is like typical existence is like oh exactly yeah like i, I like to if, if you're gonna do a like this thing happened i was struck by lightning it changed my life i need to know a little tiny bit more about what your life was like before because like them meeting is almost the first thing that happens like mm-hmm. it it is it is within the first couple pages of the first chapter of the book and I just I had no there was no there's nothing mooring me to Lake or her perspective or anything that was going on. And I just,
1: it's the downside. Yeah. The, the first few chapters felt very, especially once the school started, felt like, again, this is my own reference point. Like, I felt like I was reading a, a, like another version of Twilight again in terms of the like meeting random people. There's a man I can't be with. It's high school. I'm the new girl. Like that, Colleen
2: Hoover. I will say is brave enough to name the band that they are listening to in the car together. <laughs> I, e. I had that exact thought,
3: but then I was like, Stephanie Meyer was right not to do it because
2: yeah, <laughs> I was like e. L. James, I like, El James. Well, she Stephanie would do Meyer. it
1: on her blog, but she wouldn't do it in the novel, yeah. right? Like yeah, and
3: thing. that was correct. But
1: like, I I I get what you're saying, Andrew. Is that like? in that the supernatural stuff kind of like takes over where i might need there to be more kind of like what do these characters do on a regular basis but it it is the pitfall of the like i'm the new person in the new space coming from a completely messed up situation where nothing can go back to where to the way that it was and oh no i'm in a situation where the only people i'm encountering are people Whose whole deals have been upended within the last few years, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so you're right. Like we don't have a single character who is like, I guess, I guess Javi, the creep, who's the only (laughs) character of color in the book that we that has dialogue, (laughs) who (laughs) is (laughs) a (laughs) creep. Um, like he's the only person who seems to be the person he was before the book started, in like a meaningful way. Um, I guess like Eddie's like boyfriend is probably the same lunkhead that he was but like he loves gavin, pizza that's what's his like his
2: gaston thing. what, the, what gavin. is his
1: name it's
3: gavin gavin, it's
1: gavin, gavin? Yeah.
2: okay good
1: he loves pizza right like that's his thing i mean everybody loves pizza. everybody
3: loves pizza enough.
1: in the book yeah uh, he loves
3: life. pizza and his friend paul who they try to set lake up with and you know it won't work because it's nick uh his friend nick, yeah, nick. Who like you know it won't work because he has a normal name. Nick is constantly <laughs> trying to gain weight for wrestling. And again, my understanding is you're often trying to lose weight no, for that. That was that was accurate.
0: It's weight
2: lifting. He was trying it's to make. Lifting. He was trying to get up into a higher weight.
3: Class. Yeah, like that. But don't you I usually want to was... be like the light, like the heaviest person and the lighter one?
0: That is
1: usually know. how that goes. I,
3: I will say I was friends with a lot of – well, not a lot. Enough
0: wrestlers in high school, and this was weightlifting, not wrestling. But I know in wrestling there were very strict limits that you had to be in in order to compete. So if you had, for whatever reason, signed up for whatever weight class, like you needed to be in that weight class in order to compete. So if he was mostly, signed up yeah. to be in that weight class, then he would need to that, that seemed accurate to me. I'm so sure there's was... also
2: some kind of social stigma where, like, being heavyweight is cool and being anything else isn't. Yeah, like, I, I, I could see that.
3: Yeah. Anyway, that, he, he likes pizza alive because he's trying to gain weight. Uh, yeah. One other thing I want to talk about is specifically so, of course, uh, after um, we have a cutscene and Ju- their mom, Julia, <laughs> dies, Lake has adopted uh, her brother. Kel as well and this like what
1: The plan The plan was that she, he was going to go live With Brenda right yeah and Brenda like, the Lincoln friend Was like nah uh, yeah
3: and yeah, like is like No friend. I want to be his mom and sh- Her mom is like no you should go to College like you're 18 And like like no I really want to do It and her mom's like are you sure And like like yeah and then she's like okay I guess and earlier like Mentions a time when she was like 14 And she and her friend like tried wine And accidentally got drunk and Had a like a, a dumb accident where they drove into a tree and she says that like when she thought she was gonna die all she could think about was her younger brother and how much she loved him and i was like like i have a younger brother and <laughs> like that's not i i gotta say i don't think i love him that much like i think there would be other <laughs> things i would think about in my last minute i had him, like, a little brother i love like Hey, Reed, if you're listening, you're great. I love you. But I don't know if you're like number one on my list, to be honest. Of
2: like life flashing before your eyes. Yeah. Things to think about.
3: And like if, if I were in this situation, I think I would probably be like, oh, I mean, I guess I can't really know. But I really do think I'd be like, you know, that makes sense. Like, let me have a real adult raise you and I'm going to go to college. Like I if there was no real adult, I'd be like, OK, but if there's another option, I kind of feel like, but like yeah, that sounds good. Again, not to (laughs) not to be on co-host side here, but everyone's
0: okay. She's
1: coming in, co-host coming in. I
0: do, I I do feel her presence here, and I do think that it's the difference between that large of an age gap because you're like what two years older than your brother, which I also am. Yeah, like three. So I think it'd be different. Like if I was ten years older than my brother and he was like a literal small child.
2: I yeah. would if I, you had if you yeah. had if if you had like a, the conscious experience of like remembering him as a little baby, yeah, like which that. is like I have my my sister. I'm two years older than, and we've never gotten along great. And then my brother, I'm five years older than, and I do kind of have a memory of his like baby phase. So yeah, I, I get that. I get that uh, relationship. All right, all right. I'll
3: allow it. um
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my the thing that bothered me the most about like just talking about that realm of like you know, what, what quote unquote normal looks like for somebody with a little brother whose parents have both died. Like they will, I think talks about not wanting to make Lake like miss out on quote, the best part of her life. And that made me that gave me some pause because your senior year of high school and with, with apologies to anybody who feels this way, but it should not be the best year of your life.
3: But what uh, if you can it, go to slam poetry nights? Though?
2: That's true. If, well, if I can't go to slam poetry night every week at the n- club, deny nine. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Can I just really quick flag? Okay. Just, I was reading the book and I thought it was working for me, but I did make a note about when it didn't work for me. When, when, uh uh he had already slammed that his parents were killed in an automobile accident and then it snowed in September and there was a lot of snow or something. and the two little boys um oh ma- yes. basically pulled a Calvin they do make a Calvin and, like, snowman yeah yes! they, they made like yes. Calvin snowmen get run over by a car With and Kool-Aid they like blood. found like like yeah. they made fake blood out of juice. And like pour it all over the lawn. And like Will's like, that's that's fucking funny. Like, funny." (laughs) Like Calder is like total like I could I could totally see Colin Hoover come in, tell me. Like Calder is working through it. Like he's like dealing with his stuff by building terrible snowmen. And like maybe Will, like would run away and be sad, like, you know, and brood in his castle or whatever. But like He's like, no, that's fucking funny. Those guys are kinda clever, huh?
3: Yeah. No, no mention whatsoever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I I did have to like go back in my book and be like, no, he had already like slammed about an automobile accident, right? Yeah. Okay. He's he not bothered. slammed about
2: his little brother like sitting in the back seat, like asking yeah. him to turn around or whatever. Yeah.
1: Okay. Again, if I didn't make the point already clearly. Didn't like that. Javi's only function in the book was to be a creep, and then make a move on Lake so that Will could save her. Anyway, moving on. Well, we and, haven't and talked also, about the slam po- oh
3: Also, Javi's role is like when Will's like, "We're gonna do slam poetry." Javi's like, "Oh, like in that movie, Dead Poet Society." And Will's like, "No," but then it kind of is like that. But um, also yes. Yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. and- so we should talk about the we talk about the slam. Yeah, come on come and on jam. Again. Welcome to the slam. Yeah, mm-hmm. Well,
3: and the way... So, Kate, I don't know. I feel like listening to an audiobook might have been better. I don't no. know.
1: Oh, but I would love when, to know. Oh, when I it's written
3: out, There's she really, really goes hard on bolding words for emphasis and it made me hear everyone as like a Beastie Boys song as I was reading it to myself. <laughs> it was bad. It was very
0: bad. Um... Yeah, bad is the word that I would use to describe the performance. And you know, the audiobook narrator was perfectly fine. I don't think it is her fault that this is what she was left with. Uh, sure. but it was not good. And uh it was not good at one point seven five. And then when I kicked it up to two point two five, it was still not good. Still could not get through them fast oh, enough. God.
3: Can so I? Like, can I just like read part of one? And first of all, the please, poems are. I was are long. I was
2: hoping someone would they're offer so to read They're so long. Some slam. They're
3: like multiple they're so, pages they're long. So
2: long. So
3: I have just like the end of the poem. Like again, this poem is like three, four full pages. Um, I'm just going to read a little bit of the poem that will read the the last slam to like confess his love to Lake.
2: Yes, please. And I'm, I'm going to do I my. Highlight- I highlighted this one in its entirety too. Yeah. So.
3: I'm. <laughs> I'm going to do my best to like read the bold words as bold. So we'll see how I do. (laughs) Life doesn't want you to let it tell you that your little brother should be the only thing that comes first. Life doesn't want you to let it tell you that your career and your education should be the only thing that comes in second. And life definitely doesn't want me to just let it tell me that the girl I met The beautiful, strong, amazing, resilient girl that I fell so hard for (laughs) should only come in third. Life knows. Life is trying to tell me that the girl I love, the girl I fell so hard for, there's room for her in first. I'm putting her first. But I also don't.
2: (laughs) It is just, it's so... Shatner, all of it is Shatner. It's, Could you tell oh, which words were bold? The,
1: the shields are disabled on the Enterprise. Like, what are you? Now, I have been to poetry performances that are way better than this. Like, and I, I just feel like she has maybe just done a bad job of replicating an interesting art form.
2: Maybe that maybe she was taken with the yeah. the thing I picked up from slam poetry, but for, from this book is just like. Is poetry for people who are too lazy to rhyme. Yeah. Well,
3: people who listen, like poetry. a lot of
1: poetry doesn't have to rhyme, Andrew.
2: <laughs> now poetry had, pretty much has to rhyme, Greg. Uh, it pretty much has to rhyme always. If
3: there's one thing I've learned from Shel Silverstein. Um, but, okay, circling <laughs> back to Hobby, So he's like, oh, it's you know like a dead called? poet society? Meh. And then he's like the one who's cynical. But then he, too, is like, wow, slam poetry is amazing. I love slam poetry. And... Yeah. And this, like, this is what convinces him that slam poetry is great.
1: Fair point.
2: <sighs> Javi does have the, the biggest laugh in the book for me is when he's saying something stupid, crappy in class. And Will says, you won't re- disrespect women in my classroom. And then Javi says, fine, I'll go disrespect them in the hallway. <laughs> yeah. And then he leaves. Yeah. I thought that, that was actually yes, kind of that was good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Did y'all know that slam poetry was founded um, in 1984 as credited oh to the poet Mark Smith um, a guy who just started Slammin'? poetry slams okay. mm-hmm. there was already a thing called performance poetry where I guess people are allowed to use uh, props and costumes and he was like not allowed <laughs> But he did this is my he, this is
2: my carrot top poetry, show.
1: but he did want there to be kind of this like all modes allowed rhyming, non rhyming, mm-hmm. whatever, like show up. He liked the audience competition element. So like the way that it's depicted in the book, I, are there five judges at the nine club or are there, there are, are five nine. judges at the okay. nine? So you go, you pay three dollars at the nine club or five, five whatever it is three dollars three dollars five judges the into nine clubs <laughs> and there are Go multiple clubs. rounds and you advance through the rounds based on your poems and the the five judge and like the audience is responding during your poem that's like a whole thing and that's all true to like what mark smith put together i was wondering when andrew was like can you just make sure like has this woman never been to michigan i did see <laughs> that there was an ann arbor slam in 1987 in ann arbor michigan so maybe part of like the early birth of the slam movement but tuver didn't bear that out um the first <laughs> national slam was in 1990 i found an article from 2008 where mark smith was already decrying what slam had become and didn't really like that um the deaf poetry jam had like come in and celebritized it and at that point you were seeing um, i think russell simmons and some other folks had started like airing it on hbo and it was like it it shares a lot of dna with like hip-hop spoken word stuff as it you know that makes total sense to me Mm -hmm. but That's not what Mark Smith, this kind of white guy from Chicago, was into. (laughs) And so... He thought it. He thought that the Deaf Poetry Jam had cheapened it, and so he has since said, "Like there, it's better in Europe now." Like I'm over in Europe trying to make it happen. Oh my God, whatever. I,
0: I you will can't say see because it, of where the camera is cut off, but I am making the jerk off motion right now. Yeah. Oh, that's, great. Yeah. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm.
2: I oh, was doing it in my head. But... See,
3: Colleen Hoover is not entering my body, but I think Mark Smith a little bit is entering my body to say, "Like, well, it sounds like Colleen Hoover heard about slam poetry because it was on HBO, so maybe." He was right. And
1: maybe <laughs> yep. maybe
3: she should not have been allowed to be exposed to this. Actually,
1: there is an article. I think I don't know if I mentioned this earlier. I think I did um, on vice.com. I'm not. This is not an endorsement of the company. Vice um, <laughs> vice.com
2: vice.com is not entering your body at the. No, <laughs> at I actually moment. strongly <laughs> don't endorse the vice okay. company right.
1: um, uh, by Jesse Donaldson. Uh, This is why you probably hate slam poetry comma, according to a linguistic scholar who breaks down slam voice, but also dives into you get a score in slam poetry. This is part of the quote. And often poems with intense emotional content have that reflected in their scores. So it makes it seem like that's something to strive for, but it's not meant to be acting. Some people have this idea that if they can imbue their piece with stronger emotions, they'll score higher. That isn't always the case. If it's planned or obvious, it doesn't feel the same way. And this book assumes that no one is bad at imbuing their performance with personal history and emotion. And I think the broader slam community, which has unfortunately for Mark Smith's perspective, dwindled in the last few years, uh, would tell you that too many people are doing it poorly.
2: (sighs) I just, the, the, the thing that made Colleen Hoover, decide i'm gonna write my first book what's the most annoying art form that i can find <laughs> to be the crux of it like she i think that, that was she a really find a
1: novel swing. that featured slam poetry so i can't imagine
2: why i can't <laughs> based on what's in this book i can't imagine why nobody would want to base their book on slam poetry
0: yeah it turns out that in order to have good poems in your book you have to be a good poet and <laughs> i would not say that colleen hoover is even a very good novelist let alone a good enough novelist to also carry a novel about poetry for the poetry is not very good
1: Mm -hmm. this reminds me of when um 30 rock and studio 16 the sunset strip premiered in the same season i was maybe mm -hmm. just thinking about that (laughs) and there was i think it was a slate article i was reading a lot of slate back then where someone pointed out that like the 30 rock sketches were actually funny Mm -hmm. and the studio 60 sketches were like they don't need to be funny it's sorkin Uh and like that doomed the show because actually there was a funny sketch show that was also doing other things over on the other network or like on the other yeah yeah.
2: we we, we've talked about the difficulty of Showing people responding to a fictional work within yep. a fictional yep. work—it's tough. It's very it's tough. Better, it's better almost to not show it, yes. and that, mm-hmm. that's that's not satisfying either in its own way. But like,
0: I wasn't seeing writing seeing it is worse for yeah. in two thousand five or whenever that was. But on my. Live journal, I was making a lot of the same points about Studio 60 and how the show would have been a hundred times better if instead of showing the very unfunny sketches, they just showed people reacting to sketches that we, the audience, did not see. But unfortunately, yeah. Aaron Sorkin was not reading my live journal in 2007. <laughs> so
1: it's why a lot of shows use like stuff that's already in the canon if they want to just assume you think it's good. Like I think of like how Slings and Arrows uses like Shakespeare, yeah. where it's like, you know it's good, it's the guy. So just we'll just do that and we'll put good music under it and you can just know that it's good.
2: Well eventually Thirty Rock just stops showing the sketches and you hear somebody on like the loudspeaker saying that it was time to show up for rehearsal for like Bear versus Robot or something. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. could imagine also the funny. Exact- same kind of like totally comically dead snl sketch (laughs) that they were they were channeling and is much funnier than than seeing the sketch ever could possibly have been
1: (laughs) yeah how do we want to conclude our conversation about colleen hoover's slammed here (sighs) i because like rena you've talked a lot about the like how the epilogue just really skips over any of the emotional heft of her mom dying. And, like, her and Will are living parallel (laughs) father-brother-mother-sister lives on the same (laughs) cul-de-sac. But now they're dating. Mm
0: -hmm. I thought it was very something i'm not sure how i felt about it that even though it's been a year and they've been dating and they're in this situation where they probably would save a lot of money by combining households (laughs) they are still choosing to for whatever reason probably because they're not married yet live in two separate houses across Mm. the street from each other so Mm. i
3: read the wikipedia summaries because this is a trilogy i read the summaries of the other two books and book two reveals that before she died lake's mom made them promise not to have sex for a year so
2: whoa so they're not yeah i already i already knew that book three was like the last refuge of the damned author it's like the first book from from his point of view yeah
3: but the (laughs) second book is still lake's point of view being like no no sex for one year because dead mom said not to so i assume that's part of why they haven't moved in together
2: so the other book po- we didn't read oh is Point
1: of Point of Retreat and This Girl. As Andrew said, Point of Retreat came out a month later, because she'd already written it, I guess. And this girl came out in 2013. Huh. That's yeah. wild. That that makes the epilogue make a little more sense, I guess.
2: I mean, if you if you didn't want to have sex with somebody, I that that's a pretty like my dead mom said I can't is a pretty good <laughs> excuse, Like you can't argue with that. There's there's nothing you could say to counter that.
0: Especially, I don't know. I love, this is TMI probably for your podcast. I love my mom. If my mom died and said, you and your partner cannot have sex for a year after I die, my mom's fucking dead. Like, sorry, (laughs) mom.
2: (laughs) I hope your ghost likes watching people have sex.
0: (laughs) You know what, mom? I gave you the promise, which was what was important to you. And now you're not here, and I can do whatever I want with my body. <laughs> like what? What? Oh my
3: God, Renata, you've blown my mind. <laughs> I'm I'm just saying that's why I read on Wikipedia.
2: <laughs> yeah, did didn't didn't care. This was we have read romance and, that I have liked, and this was not one of those. Mm. That's that's my take. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my hot take.
3: Even I'll was say, short. Like, it was short i like it was that short. That's, yeah. we've made multiple references to twilight which is much longer than this and i do feel like twilight i or, i mean i do feel like colleen hoover in some ways felt like she was somehow in conversation with twilight like there's moments where she's like it's not like in the movie where the new girl comes to school and everyone's interested and like like we were talking about the music like there's parts that are similar to twilight but um I really do think this works better when it's vampires and I just I think I like Twilight more even though Twilight is also strange and not
1: <laughs> Oh there's yeah there's a lot
2: of like th- there's a similar blandness to the to the characters but Twilight still has like stuff that you can find a toehold on like it still has like mountain vampire baseball
3: i was literally just gonna say colleen hoover cannot do vampire baseball i don't think
1: or
2: she yeah she can't do vampire baseball like you can't even do human
3: basketball
1: (laughs) you're right (laughs) slam that sphere in the goal baby (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: she does say
1: there's a there's a today. Okay. So, um, if you find if you Google Colleen Hoover, which you might do, I have done. Um, you'll she was yeah. in the Time 100 Influential People for 2023. And the person who wrote her blurb was Jenna Bush Hager, um, who from the Today Show, among from other Texas. things.
3: From Texas.
1: From Texas. <laughs> and, um, in the Today interview with her, which I read, I read that I didn't watch the interview. I read an article that like reported on the interview happening, which is a really surreal thing to read. It's just a bizarre journalistic <laughs> voice. Um, she does mention having become friends with E.L. James as like a forerunner of the self-publishing Thing
2: I had seen that too, yeah,
1: yeah. That and they that they there, talk. There's <laughs> yeah. a kinship there, I mm-hmm. yeah. suppose. Okay. Um. So that that's interesting. And then the other thing I, I just want to like. I think so, we,
2: are you, when you say E.L. James, you're thinking about the person who wrote Fifty Shades of Grey, not the person who wrote Twilight, right? Because yes, I got E.L. Yes. James confused with Stephanie Meyer earlier in the show, and I just want to make sure you're not doing No, I thing. do
1: mean E.L. James specifically, <laughs> okay, because <all> right. <laughs> we're talking about Twilight, which is, you know, then E.L. James is riffing off of Twilight and, you know. They, all I mean,
2: kind of they
3: stuff. probably get together and talk about how they're jealous of Stephanie Meyer, and Stephanie Meyer is mm. unbothered. Sparkling. Stephanie
1: Meyer is the the Don Draper. Like, I don't yeah. think about you at all. Exactly. So, sort of. <laughs> the, the thing about this book having some like kind of, you know, toast characters who then have extreme reactions based on their extreme grief. Um, she said in a Washington Post interview, I find when I'm writing, I tend to go a little too far sometimes with the emotions because then I can feel it. So I write, and if I don't feel it, I make it sadder or scarier, depending on what I'm writing, until I actually feel something. Okay.
2: Okay. I made all my character's parents dead just so I could feel something. <laughs> Isn't it,
1: like, she just kind of professes to be someone who is, like, re- and she's cultivated this energy of being, like, really mild-mannered and, like, very just kind of humble, like, came from nothing. I just wrote these stories, and, like, as part of her creative process, is just turning the amp up to 11 because otherwise she can't hear the song. <laughs> you know.
3: She can't hear the Ava brothers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I get it.
1: How did this book compare to y'all's experience with It Ends With Us? And maybe that will end with us, our, our conversation here today.
0: I I wouldn't say I enjoyed this, but I enjoyed that one less. Okay.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, I, I think like the domestic abuse stuff and it ends with us is like really hard to read, and sure, and sure. this, I mean, it was also hard to read about the teacher, like hot for teacher, and like the all the dead parents, like, but it was less hard to read about. And was, the did Paul you too- like the part where he, they all went
1: out to yeah. the poetry slam and all the like people who had been freshmen when he, he was a senior were like, remember when you were a se- senior and we pranked you and like it's a weird dynamic now they're all at a club now did you like that part
3: i love that part um i loved how it was easy to skim the poems like i could just read the bold words and be like (laughs) i'm getting it yeah like
2: it's like i'm reading tolkien or something (laughs) (laughs) yeah you just skip over this part
3: Uh, i felt like also
0: in it ends with us like we didn't even really we gave a very brief overview like there's there's it's it's flashbacks through these weird this weird thing with these letters to Ellen DeGeneres and like then there's like the guy who she was like dating as a teen shows up in Boston and there's like all of these like weird coincidences and it just so much was happening that constantly stretched my credulity even more than the things in this that also reading that one felt like a heavier lift like this was a cool mm, mm. like three hours of my life that I sped yeah. through and did not have to think very hard about mm-hmm.
2: yeah and you get around to it happily ever after even if it seems dumb that that's the, <laughs> that's the way that these characters <laughs> I was saying
1: to out. Andrew I read this with like Hallmark movie brain yeah and, like, had an okay time and then when I started prepping it for the show I I'd, like I think I liked it less. Well, and specifically when I was, like, well, I when I was writing
2: to you in our Slack channel, like I am in hell. I can't. <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, can't believe we were talking happening. about like, it. I think that probably knocked you down a couple.
1: It clued me too. into that yeah. maybe I hadn't thought about it. As Enough. deeply. Yeah. You, you turn your brain off too much.
3: Yeah. But yeah, but maybe. not to be rude. I do feel like that is the mindset like that you kind of have to be in to be in the cohort. You know, is like yeah, probably you pick it up, you read it, you're like, wow, I read a book, and then you're you're on to the next one. Mm-hmm.
1: There are things I enjoy, not because I like thinking about every part of them. Oh, for sure. Like, right? Or there's like food I like to eat because it's like tasty right then and i don't really want to think about what it is for it to go into my body you know
3: <laughs> or like i'm a woman who likes action movies so i have to ignore a lot of stuff just to be like oh yeah that was a cool stunt like yeah that's sure. cool. cool
2: how he punched
1: that guy yeah. yeah glad i got to meet eddie and keel <laughs> Ryan and Kate, thanks for coming on our show and talking to us about this book. I'm glad we had you here to help us talk about it. Yeah, (laughs) we needed so much help.
3: Yes, as worst bestsellers, I do think that's a service we can, uh, you know, that's sort of our function. is Absolutely. To be kind of like a bad book doula.
1: (laughs) (laughs) What is another bad book you've read recently that you think people should go check out the episode on?
3: Well, right now we're in the midst of our flashback summer where we're reading good books for for nostalgia mm. and for fun so for example and just you, for a
1: break yeah
3: yeah for for a break to let our brains heal so you could go back and listen to an episode we did about um uh help i'm trapped in my teacher's body which we did with these <laughs> yeah. with these cool dads uh toward toward the end of their lives
2: <laughs> they're dead now though.
3: <laughs> um we're we're soon returning if this is coming out next month we might have an episode up yeah or soon to be about Crave by Tracy Wolf so we're getting back into vampires which were which is comfortable territory for us.
1: Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. Awesome. I love to I I can't wait. <laughs> that would be good warm up for spooktober for us. That's good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um well to our listeners if you have moved to Michigan from Texas and you would like to tell us about your journey and, and you're just many. you're
2: gearing up for all the snow that's going to be coming your way just well, and just how weeks.
1: many in and out burgers do you eat like, <laughs>
3: T- take a selfie at club email. to nine yes.
1: send us an email um, with your slam poetry all rights reserved to us at overdue at gmail.com hit us up on social media at overduepod. Uh, our theme song is composed by Nick Larangis. Andrew, if folks want to know more about our show, where should they go?
2: Overduepodcast.com is our internet website. We have the list of books that we are reading that, that month up there. Uh, August is coming to a close. We're going to be rolling into, well, actually, when's this going to go up?
1: This is going up in September. So going our September, September schedule's up there. Whatever. Happy
2: September, everybody. <laughs> if you want to know what we're reading, go to our website. Uh, Patreon.com slash Overduepod is our Patreon page you can get uh, early access to bonus episodes join our discord community all kinds of other stuff uh and it helps support the show keeps our children in daycare for when we inevitably when we inevitably die young from some <laughs> horrible
1: <laughs> malady you will know, okay. be do able to help find <laughs> out more about your show
3: I they can find have on the internet
1: love that internet <laughs>
3: and there's
0: links there to our social media which who knows by september what social media
3: everyone will be using
0: yeah, um, that's a great question. blue
3: sky's I... down we're on black sky
2: is blue sky still down
3: no that was that was me um forecasting for the future
2: oh okay but okay it, I knew, it will I knew be that done that it, it went, will be on okay,
3: black sky right. the new thing yes, all right <laughs>
0: but uh, <laughs> i <want to>
1: join <laughs> our, slam poetry Mastodon. <laughs> dot <instance.
0: laughs> our, our social media is there our patreon our discord our back episodes of our podcast uh and anything else you might want to know about us all housed on our website
2: all right, I love it. Oh, thank you both again for coming and, and helping slam with us. it was It was a privilege.
3: Yes, thank you for and having us that, and rest in
2: yeah, peace. I, I hope that Colleen, <laughs> yes, thank you. I hope that Colleen leaves all of us alone. Oh, after this. <laughs> yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. and until we talk to you next time, please try to be happy.
1: The Hate Podcast.